morning. And uh, let's look at the screen. Remember, we're memorizing the Lord's Prayer to say it together and to pray it together. So let's say it with expression. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Great job. Great job. And uh, glad that you are here If you have your Bibles, I hope you do. We're going to be looking at Matthew 6, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 9. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 9. As we've been saying, Jesus begins with the way to pray before the words to say. It's a heart cry that we see in these verses. And so let's read these verses together. Matthew 6, 5 through 9, so that we can just get our head around them again. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly, divine judgment, truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you... My disciples, my followers, my kingdom citizens. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And, not just that, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. And that's where we want to look this morning. Now, we've been going through. So for the last two weeks, those of you, some of you are back with us. This is what we've seen. The wrong way to pray, two ways, like a pharisaical hypocrite and like a pagan orphan. And we have 11 categories that basically we worked our ways through. And you can see there's an approach of a prayer actor so others can see. But the pagan way is a prayer manipulator. Uh, The example is the Jewish Pharisees or the Gentile pagans. The focus being seen of men, or being heard by the gods. The goal is really important. The goal of the hypocrite is to be applauded, whereas the goal of the uh, pagan orphan is to get answers. What, how do I, what words do I need to say? How many words do I need to say? What do I need to do? How do I need to be positioned in order to get answers? And you can see through the rest of it, the soul of the hypocrite is full of hypocrisy. The soul of the pagan is full of verbosity, many words, and their faith. Uh, This is really a faithless prayer, and the, the pagan prayer is a fatherless prayer. They don't have a heavenly father. The result for the hypocrite is the heartache of phoniness. The result for the pagan is the heartache of loneliness because they do not know God, no matter how diligently they pray. So let's watch this video, and perhaps this will help you catch up with what we've been trying to communicate. My prayer life is vibrant, and it's active. Daily. I like to commune with God at nighttime. I get under those warm covers and I kiss my wife goodnight. And I just start talking to God. Just me and God. Tell him everything. (sighs) Makes me just sleepy just thinking about it. And there I am just laying in bed, laying out my request to him. And he's hearing me. And I know that I'm in good company with him. (laughs) 
Where was I? The efficiency of one's prayers are directly congruent to the position of one's body. Therefore, the legs should be saying, God, help me. Amen. There are times that me and God do not talk, and that is not God's fault, that is mine, I just get so busy. And so when I do end up talking to God, I really just try to impress him, give him a show, just to show him how much I love him. So excuse me, will you, as I pray to God. Oh, Heavenly Father, oh, Heavenly Father, beseech me not unto thee, how now? Brown cow, oh, thy soul is so dry, and if I can just catch a morsel of who you are, so verily, merrily, down the stream. God, I, I just want to be used by you, God, I want... I want to be salt and light and light and salt and sight and love and peppers and oregano and pepperoni and black olives and those little bit. When I like to get my prayer on, uh, there's some things I keep in mind. Um, I think it's totally awesome that uh, God is like Santa Claus and he wants to give you the things that you want. Therefore, you need to keep lists of things. My list currently has 745 prayer requests on them. So then when I go to the Lord in prayer, it looks a little something like this. I'll just pray real quick. Um, let's see. The uno thing on my list is my mom. And so I'll pray for her now. Dear Heavenly Father, I lift up this sweet salt of the earth lady that you have blessed me with to be my mother. And I tell you thank you. And although I know that I'm called to respect her and I give her all due respect, there's also an issue of something she truly needs, and that is to stop a yapping. Lord, she yaps, and she doesn't know how to stop yapping. So could you please make her mute just for a day? Nothing permanent. Don't hurt her. I love her. Just mute her. Take your big God remote and push mute on her channel. That would be great. Henceforth, I would go on and pray all 746 things. <laughs> God, you are greater than anything this world has to offer. And I can't wait for you to come back and get us. But until that time comes, would you help me just to, just to live my life day after day as if I'm just walking hand in hand with you? God, I, I have a lot of needs. And I have a lot of wants. <laughs> and sometimes I get those things confused. Help me to just trust you to meet my needs. And be thankful when you give me those other things that I just want. God, I have blown it so many times today. And I'm sorry. Thank you for your forgiveness. I don't take it for granted. And God, as I start this day out, I, I'm just reminded that this world is filled with so many spiritual potholes. Please help me to walk in such a way where I won't stumble so much. And as I'm going through this day, God, help me to live my life in such a way that would bring you glory and honor. May the life that I live be a life of worship to you. Amen. There you go. Great, great uh, example of how you can pray the Lord's Prayer and you don't have to use the exact words. You're just going through that structure. I love that. And it really shows us that Jesus is concerned about the way we pray before the words we say. So let's take a look and we're going to look at praying like God's child, not like the Pharisaical hypocrite, not like the pagan orphan, but like what we are in Christ, God's holy child. So before we start going through the six petitions in the weeks to come, I want to kind of do an overview and we're going to look at our Father in heaven. Now remember the KISS model of prayer that we talked about last week. Keep it simple, son, versus wordy. Keep it short, son, versus lengthy. And keep it sincere, son, versus empty words. And as we look at this 
Lord's Prayer. It's often be called, often been called the Disciples' Prayer because the disciples asked, teach us to pray in Luke. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is giving the kingdom life to his disciples. But in a very real sense, it is the family prayer. And so what I want to do today is to show you three ways to pray the family prayer. And it's found in that simple beginning in verse 9 of Matthew 6, Our Father in Heaven. So the first way to pray the, the family prayer is to pray to your Father. Pray to your Father. When Jesus addresses, actually in verses 5 through 7, He always comes back to your Father. Your Father. Before we can pray our Father, we need to make sure God is your Father and that He is my Father. The issue is one of paternity. So when you come to pray, you need to ask, who's my daddy? Who's my daddy? Who's my father? Is God my Father? Jesus mentions Father six times in these few verses. In fact, he mentions the Father 17 times in the whole Sermon on the Mount. And this makes sense because Jesus is the Son of God and God is his Father in a very unique and Trinitarian way. So unlike the hypocrite who prays to be seen by men and the heathen who prays to be heard by the gods, as God's children, we pray to the Father in these six ways. We pray to the Father who meets us in the secret place, your Father, who will reward us with treasures beyond our expectations. Verse 6, your Father, who knows us and our need before we ask. Verse 8, your Father, who loves us as his children, yet rules over all. Verse 9, and who forgives us as his children, so we are to forgive others. Look, that's just every time he mentions Father, and we're already, that's meditate on that and think on that. This is who you are praying to. The fatherhood of God keeps coming up because Jesus the Son keeps bringing it up. And when God is your Father, you will have the indwelling Spirit in you bringing up Abba Father. You will be praying to your Father if you are a child of God. And that's the idea. The Lord's Prayer is a Trinitarian prayer. Even though the Son is teaching us, the Father is the one we pray to, and it's the Spirit that enables us to do that. This is the heart of Christian prayer. Talking to your Heavenly Father, crying out, Abba, Father. So here's the question. Do you address your Father when you pray. Remember, it's not so much the words we say as the attitude in approaching God. Now, the goal is for our words and our heart to match, right? But you could address God in prayer with the words Lord or Master and, and, and do it with a heart of trust. And by the way, you can also address him in prayer with Father in a cold, heartless, mechanical way. Are you seeing? So it's again, it's the way you pray more than the words you say. But the goal is to have the way we pray and the words we say to match together. Uh, I've, I've, how we address, how we address as a disciple. You know, sometimes I, I've heard prayers of, 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 of Christians that are addressing, you know, sovereign God, mighty master. And there's this far distant God. And, and the concern that comes to me, do you realize, yes, he is sovereign. He is the creator. He is in heaven, but he is also your father. And that should be reflected in how we pray. So the question is this, what is your attitude of heart when you pray? Do you avoid the use of father due to a bad relationship? Remember, I talked last week about the girl I dated in college. Not this girl, but the other girl. This is the better girl right here, by the way, just to let you know. And do you say it when you pray to your father? Do you say it with joy? Do you say it with comfort? Do you, do you say it in a sense 
that there is warmth and comfort. Now, how does God become your father? That's what we need to nail down. We talked about this last week, but how does God become your father? I just want to make sure we're clear. First of all, by birthright as a child born again into the family by Jesus' blood. By birthright, as a child born again to the family by Jesus' blood. So turn uh, forward to John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. I mean, the whole, all the Gospels, the whole New Testament tells us these truths, but I want you to, to see it here in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. It says, But as many as received him, that is Jesus, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. It's your birthright, even to those who believe in his name. But notice verse 13, who were born not of blood, that is human blood, genetics, nor of the will of the flesh through any physical act, nor of the will of man, it's not your decision that makes you a child of God, but of God. It's a divine act whereby God, through his spirit, uh, imparts faith by grace and calls you to be his child. It's a beautiful thing. But secondly, it's also by legal right. By legal right as a son adopted into the family by the father's choice. You have a legal right to pray to him as your father, as a son. Whether you are a man or a woman, you are adopted into the family by the father's choice. Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 6, really highlight this. Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 6. Just as he chose us, that is the father, in him, that is the son, before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. And then verse 5, he predestined us, he predetermined us to adoption as sons, not merely to be saved, not merely to be forgiven, but to have the legal rights and the inheritance and the riches and the privileges and the status of sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will and the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. So when we come and say, your father, this is what needs to be in our minds. Oh my gosh, what a privilege. I was, I was a sinner separated destined to eternal damnation, going through this life on my own resources, with my own wisdom. And how's that working for you? And how did it work for you? But how has God intervened through his son to not just save you as a saint, but to make you his child and to adopt you and give you the privileges of a son. So how should God, being your father, impact your prayer life? Well, I want you to remember two things when you pray to your father. The first thing to remember is he no longer treats you as a sinner, but like his own dear child. He no longer treats you like a sinner, but like his own dear child. This is probably the most radical uh, revolution in my mind when we first began discipling many years ago. But I'd already been through Bible college. I'd already been through seminary. I knew with my head that God is my father. But realizing this idea that God doesn't treat me like a sinner. He doesn't come to me in that way. He comes to me like his own dear child. How should that impact your prayer life? Well, it means cry out for help when you need help. It means run to him for reassurance. It means ask him for what you need. And we said last week, really meditate on the parable of the prodigal son. And instead of focusing on the son, focus on the father of the prodigal. Think about that father who ran and who was eager and welcoming. So when you pray to your father, think in these terms. 
my Father in heaven is eager, running towards me. He's accepting, arms open wide. He's welcoming. He's forgiving. He's caring. He's generous, ready to give me more than what I ask. When my heart is humbled, repentive, and aligned with him. It's beautiful. Secondly, come to him with this idea. He no longer treats you like a child, but like his very own son. So it's not just, oh, God patting us on the head. You're a good little boy. You're a good little girl. And I'm the big guy. And, and I, you know, I can dismiss. No, he, he's welcoming you right into his presence like Jesus, his son, sits in his presence in heaven. That is amazing. Rejoice in his presence. Relax in his presence. Now, not too much like the guy in the, the video. Relax. Draw near to him. You're welcome. Enjoy being in his presence. And listen, as his son, you have security, you have significance, and you have status. All the things that we lost in Genesis 3, all the things that the world promises but can't deliver to you as an adopted son of God, you have significance, security, and status you are his this is beautiful so there is a second sense though in which the lord's prayer is the family prayer and it's this the father to whom we pray is not only your father but in verse 9 we see we are to pray to what our father you got it and so look at the second way to pray the family prayer pray with our family So pray to your father, but also pray with our family. The focus here is an issue not of paternity, who's your daddy, but of fraternity. Where's your family? Where is your family when you pray? Now, when you look back at Matthew 6 and what we have been looking at, we've been looking at verses 5 through 8 in the previous two uh, messages. And the focus, or three messages, the focus has been your father and praying in secret. And you see in verse 9, now we're switching to our father and praying in public. So we've gone from private prayer, which remember from the previous lessons, that's important. That's where the, it's like the iceberg where the majority of your prayer ought to be secret, private, and unseen. 80% of the iceberg is under the water, 20% is visible, but that 20% is made significant by what upholds it, okay? We don't want to be proud like the Titanic floating on the surface thinking we can never sink. We want some depth, private, secret prayer, and now we're moving to shared prayer. And remember, Jesus did both. We have all sorts of examples in the Gospels of Jesus getting alone. He not only got alone, he went to solitary places. So he got where there was no distractions. We've already taught on that. We've talked about that. But we also see in the Gospels that he prayed many times with his disciples. In fact, that's why we have the Lord's Prayer in Luke is because he prayed. They heard him praying and they're like, oh, I want to pray like that. That's not the way. I pray. And so prayer is taught, but it's also caught. And that's why we need to pray together. Our, the word our here is reinforced with the repetition of us four times in the petitions that follow. So he says, give us, forgive us, do not lead us and deliver us. Now, someone wrote this clever poem, far far smarter than me, talented than me, that reminds us that the Lord's Prayer is not for the rugged individualist. Listen to this poem. You cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and even once say I. You cannot say the Lord's Prayer even once and say my. Nor can you pray the Lord's Prayer and not pray for another For when you ask for daily bread, you must include your brother. For others are included in each and every plea. 
from the beginning to the end of it, it never once says me. That's a beautiful reminder of how we should be praying. And so uh, we've looked at this. Calvin, uh, the reformer, taught his local church to pray in secret. And then to be silent in public is not what your father in heaven expects of his dear children. In other words, you're most prepared to pray in public when you've been praying in, in private. Okay? And so, you, you know, and, and I, I just want to encourage you. When there's opportunity to pray, why don't you step up and pray? Okay, when there's opportunity to pray with God's children, why don't you step up and pray? And, and I, I don't know. I don't know. You have to ask that to your Father in heaven, and you need to examine that. But let me encourage you. I think a lot of times it's because we're not praying in private. Because our public prayer is an overflow. It makes us ready and eager to play, pray in public. Again, another reformer, Luther, said this, The Lord's Prayer binds the people together and knits them one to another so that one prays for another and together with one another. Still another student of the Lord's Prayer said this, In prayer I am not alone. I am one with the members of God's family, which is also my family. My weak prayer is caught up into the great stream of prayer that goes up forever from God's family. The strength of my prayer is not that it's simply mine, that the moment I fall upon my knees, I am no longer an individual man or woman talking to God, but a member of the family of God, a sharer in that human nature which Christ has carried to the right hand of God. You say, Chris, is that really a biblical view of prayer? Does my prayer get joined in with all the prayers of God's people? Yeah, think about Revelation 5.8 and Revelation 8.3. In Revelation 5.8, at the end of times, it says this, Now when Jesus had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So all these prayers, when you pray, thy kingdom come, it is collected and flows into the stream, down through church history, up to the throne of God, and it is remembered. And then when you read in Revelation, when Christ finally comes and the kingdom comes from heaven to earth, the bowl of the saints are cast down showing that finally the fulfillment of your prayers that you have been praying that have mattered are coming to complete fulfillment. I think that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? So when you pray and you're like, does this matter? Is God hearing me? Oh, yes. You are pr praying in the company of the saints past, present, and future. It's a beautiful thing. We pray to with our family. Now, how to begin praying with our family? Let's get real practical. The uh, Westminster uh, 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 Shorter Confession, uh, 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 Shorter um, Catechism says this, that the preface of the Lord's Prayer teaches us that we should pray with and for others. So let's take that as our outline. We, how do we begin doing this? We are to pray with one another. So that's the first thing. Learn to pray with one another. Our Father. The emphasis on our. And let me give you four ways to do that. Or First of all, let me answer this. Why start with praying with others? Why start there? Well, it's the first place mentioned in the Lord's Prayer. I mean, you can't pray the Lord's Prayer alone, basically. It says, Our Father. So it's, it's the first place mentioned in the Lord's Prayer. It's the best place for learning how to pray. If you want to learn how to pray, come to this study, but also come to a grow group tonight. Well, maybe not tonight. Not a lot of praying tonight. A lot of lamenting tonight. But uh, next week, come to your grow group and learn to pray by hearing others pray. It's, it's the best place to learn how to pray, and then it's the only place where you're going to hear one another's heart cry. I can ask you how you're doing. 
and you may be transparent and share with me a little bit of what's going on in your heart, and I may do the same. But when we pray together, we start hearing each other's heart, and we really get down to that. So how can I get started? Here's where I'm going to give you four ways to get started. First of all, be equipped during specific times of prayer. So be equipped during specific times of prayer. And let me give you two that you can have here at our church. First of all, one-on-one discipleship is a great way to begin praying with others. Every time you meet with the disciple, you're praying together. You're hearing their prayer. In fact, uh, it's really through discipleship that you can teach your children how to pray. You pray and they listen. You pray and then they pray. Then ask them to be the first to pray, and then you pray. And then finally, ask them to pray, and you just listen to them pray. And that's the way to guide your disciple through on learning how to pray. And as I've said, our grow groups are a great place to be equipped during those specific times of prayer. Secondly, take advantage of spontaneous times of prayer. This is an area where I was convicted and encouraged and have grown in so that when I answer the phone and somebody is asking me to pray for something, I try, don't always do that, but the majority of times I'll say, great, I'll listen, we'll interact. But before I hang up, I'll say, can I pray for you on the phone? And I always ask, ask permission to do that. And they almost always say, I don't think I've ever had anybody say no. And then you pray for them. Pray on the phone. Pray between the pews. Okay, so as you're interacting or here in our class, pray between the tables. So that when you're talking to someone and they've been burdened or they've been excited, just ask them, could we praise God about that together? Could could we? Could I just pray for you on that? Now, of course, you got to use the key model when you're doing that you know uh you know you know you don't want to lay your hand on them and you know 20 minutes later they're like what is going on here you know but but you can just say hey could i just quickly pray for you so spontaneous times of prayer are beautiful thirdly uh don't miss out on structured times of prayer structured times in other words when we're hit here at in the new life class and we have opportunity to pray at your tables. Don't miss out on that. Uh, we ought to be fighting over the opportunity to be the one that prays. You know, if we don't have time for every, everybody to pray, we ought to be fighting over oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. Uh, you can pray silently upstairs when, when there's congregational prayer. Pray. Focus. Don't drift. Don't think about what you're going to eat after church. Think and pray together. And then fourthly, don't be afraid of systematic times of prayer. Don't be afraid of uh, using the Lord's Prayer as a guideline. And that video gave you a great example of it. And each week I'm giving you a heart cry handout by which you can do Systematic praying, praise, repentance, asking, and yielding. Or, as I'm teaching you, you can uh, expand that to praying through the Lord's Prayer. And, by the way, it's not just the Lord's Prayer that is the only prayer that you can pray back to God in Scripture. The whole Bible is a wealth of by which you can pray God's word back to God. Uh, Book of Chronicles has some great, I I taught a series on the prayers of the kings in the book of Chronicles. The epistles of Paul, the prayers of Paul. These are all prayers that you can pray God back to God. And you say, well, is there something wrong with praying someone else's prayer? Not necessarily. Jesus didn't condemn repetition. He condemned what? meaningless repetition okay mechanical mindless so there's all sorts of ways for you to pray with others so i hope that helps but it's not just praying with others the second way to pray with your family 
is to learn to pray for one another. And this comes about by the four times in the Lord's Prayer that you see the word us in there. Okay? So first, pray with one another, our Father. Then, learn to pray for one another so that your prayer requests are not just me, myself, and mine. All right? So, here, and here's, here's what's interesting. The relationship of these. So, as you pray with others, you hear their heart cry and their burden. And guess what? You're prompted then the rest of the week to pray for others. Do you see how this works together? So, you come together uh, at your grow group. You lament about the chiefs not being in it. Then you hear requests. You pray together. And then guess what? The rest of that week, what are you doing? You're praying for one another. So what should you pray when you pray for others? Well, the Lord's Lord's Prayer gives you this great outline, and I think I also have it there in your notes. And so you begin to pray for others first for God's glory to be in their life, then for their good and their needs. So you begin by saying, Lord, you know, I pray for Joe that your name would be made famous in his life, that, that who you are would be magnified to him and through him. Lord, I pray for Joe that, that he would advance your kingdom this day, that this week at the job, and I know that boss is a bear for him to deal with. He's talked about that. But God, let him see it beyond his boss to you as the king who is coming. And may his job May he find significance in his job, not in what he's doing, but how your kingdom can advance through it. And then, Lord, I just pray that Joe would do your will from his heart today. Strengthen him. Let him not do it as a sinner burdened with guilt, but as a son delighting in his birthright and in his status as a son of God. That's how you pray that. You see? Now... Then, and a lot of times I never even get to the next part, because once you get that part, everything starts filing into place. But then, Lord, you pray, God, you pray for the provision of others. You pray for the pardon of others. And you pray for the protection of others. Listen, if you get this in your mind and you have this structure, it is so easy to do this. And all I'm saying is, if you pray for me, please pray this way. Because I can give you specific requests, and there is a place and a need for that. But at the end of the day, if you're praying this for me on a weekly basis, glory be to God. And that's what I pray for you. And I have done it repeatedly, repeatedly this week. When you look to the needs over here on the other side, give us our daily bread. I got a kick out of Dane uh, texted me this week, and he said that, They asked Knox what he was thankful for and then told him to pray for it. All right. This is how you start this out. You just you take these and you start talking to your kids about them. So what Knox prayed was this. Thank you for Cheerios and Teddy Grahams. Amen. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, you could pray Knox's prayer. It's okay to pray the prayers of others. Right. I thank God for Cheerios and Teddy Grahams. You know what? God delight, delighted in hearing that. Just like he delights in hearing you. Beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. I hope you're getting in on it. I hope you're getting in on it. When Amber was little, every request she made was for who? Amber. Right? When Amber was little, every request was made for Amber. But as she grew and as she matured, she would come to me and say, Daddy, can we do such and such for my friend? And that's when, as a dad, I was proud of her because she was growing beyond herself. And your Heavenly Father is equally pleased and proud when you go beyond just praying for your needs and you have a heart for the needs of others. Beautiful things here. I like what the English reformer, Hugh Latimer, a man who was burned at the stake for his faith in Christ, said this, This prayer is the sum and abridgment of all other prayers. 
All other prayers are contained in this prayer. Yea, whatsoever mankind hath need of as to soul, spiritual, body, physical, that same is contained in this prayer. How true that is. So, pray to your father. Do you know him? Who's your daddy? Pray with our family. Where's your family in your prayer time? Join a grow group. And the third way to pray is this. Pray like our older brother. Pray like our older brother. And where is he? He is in heaven. And the issue is one of majesty. Where's your father? Yes, in theological terms, it's called eminence. He is near to here, but he is also transcendent. He is in heaven and overall, and there seated at the right hand in his resurrected body is the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's a couple principles I want you to see. First of all, to pray like your older brother or our older brother means praying a pre-owned prayer. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're praying a pre-owned prayer. What do I mean by that? Jesus taught it to us. He's already prayed it for us. And he prays it with us as you pray it. If we had time, I'd take you through the Gospels and show you how every one of these requests Jesus has prayed when he was on this earth. Now, obviously, he did not pray what one. Do what? Yeah, he did not say, Father, forgive me of my sins. But what did he say on the cross? Father, forgive them of their sins. He prayed the second half of that petition. And it's a good thing that he did. Okay? So he prayed all of this. So remember that as you pray the Lord's Prayer and the petitions and use this as a structure, the, the Son is in heaven, seated with the Father, and He is praying with us via the Spirit. Secondly, to pray like our older brother requires a Trinitarian trust. A Trinitarian trust. What do I mean? Well, when you first see this prayer, Jesus says, pray our Father, but... He doesn't end it by saying praying in Jesus' name. You know, I mean, like, where's the Trinity in that? Well, it's all there when you study the rest of the New Testament. The Son, it's by the blood of the Son that we can be children of God. So we come to our Father on the basis of the work, the name of Christ, and then the Spirit indwells us. And we're able to cry out, Abba, Father. So this is truly a Trinitarian pray, prayer. You can't pray this and have it be answered and pleasing to God if you don't know the Father. But you don't know the Father except through the Son. And you must love the Son. God the Son is worthy of love and obedience. And we must be led by the Spirit. So we're adopted by the Father, redeemed by the Son, sealed by the Spirit... And so we pray to the Father in the name of the Son and by the power of the Spirit. Now, let me end with this. Praying to the Father like the Son with his family is a heart cry of three kinds. First of all, it's a heart cry of humility. It's a heart cry of humility. Jesus says, pray then. And that pray is a command. So to not pray, prayerless Christians are disobedient. It's just, when I'm prayerless, I'm disobedient. And the implication of this prayer is we ought to at least be praying daily. Give us this day our daily bread. But this is a command. And it's in the present tense. Christians pray and they keep on praying. You say, but I'm not getting answers. You keep praying and let God search your heart for why. Maybe you're praying the wrong things. Maybe you're praying the wrong way. But nevertheless, keep praying because this is a command. It's a command. So humble yourself to memorize the prayer and 
to utilize the prayer. You can't utilize what you don't memorize. Obey his precept. Humble yourself. I'm going to learn to pray because I am his child. Secondly, it's a heart cry for holiness. Notice he says, pray then in this way. I like that. Pray then in this manner. And what follows in the weeks to come are the six petitions. So he says, pray in this way. Follow his pattern of prayer. Pray first for God's glory and then for our needs. Just, you know, if if you're like, Chris, you know, when it comes to prayer, I'm in training wheels. Okay, pray for God's glory and then pray for the needs of others. Real simple, twofold. Two-minute prayer every day. Two-minute prayer right there. Follow his prayer. The three your requests are for God's glory. Your name be holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. The needs are the us side of it. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins and those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then finally, it's a heart cry with hopefulness. It is a heart cry with hopefulness. And that's where the ending of the prayer, I just love this, for years is the kingdom. Not mine, yours. Yours is the power. Oh, I'm so glad I don't have to depend on me. And yours is the glory forever. Amen. Fulfill his purpose in prayer. I think when you pray this, the Lord's Prayer, you will pray with kingdom longing and kingdom lamenting. Now, why do I say that? Those two words are very important. Longing, because why? What's the main thing we pray? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's our longing. But we lament. Why? Because it hasn't come yet. And in a fallen world, there's times where we have great needs. Give us this day our daily bread. And in a fallen world, we still have a sin nature, though we're children of God. Forgive us our sins. And in a fallen world, until the kingdom comes, people are going to sin against you. And they're going to hurt you. And it can be brutal. And it will leave at times wounds that will never be healed this side of heaven. But you can still pray this prayer and be a better person and not a bitter person. And we still have an enemy. And though he's fully defeated, he hasn't yet been cast into the lake of fire. Just beautiful stuff. So take a look. First of all, take at the chart that's on your notes. So if you take a chart. So here's what you want to ask yourself today. Is your heart cry like his holy, like his holy children. Do you pray this way? So take a look and you can see we've completed our chart and you can go through and see what a pharisaical hypocrite prays like, what a pagan orphan and what a holy child. And so take this, you can stick it in your Bible and periodically say, Lord, what's the way I pray and grow me in this. And then second of all, spend time this week with this handout And it says, my heart cry to pray like God's holy child. And every week, except for the first week, I've given you one of these every week. And I'll give you one for the next six weeks. And reflect on what this, what God has taught you through his word today. And then turn it over. And I've got prayer prompts, structured prayer, systematic prayer. I have prayer prompts for you to use in your own prayer life. But you know what? If this sits in your Bible all week, it doesn't help you. If it sits on the counter, it doesn't help you. If you put it on your fridge and look at it every day, but don't do anything with it, it's not going to help you. But by God's grace and an obedient faith, we can be better prayers. Amen? Yeah, it's good stuff. The Lord's Prayer is just so encouraging. And it's very convicting. And it really is like a spiritual x-ray of my motives 
and my relationship with God. Because we can kind of be like the Pharisees. Look at me. I'm doing really good. I'm not like that guy. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not like that guy over there. Sorry, Jerry. Uh, but when you go to before the Lord with the Lord's Prayer, you start realizing, whoa, okay, I'm glad I'm his child. And I'm glad I've been adopted as son. And I can mess up. And I can mess up really big. Seriously sin. And I can still come to him. Amen. I can come to him on the basis of the blood of the Son and the indwelling of the Spirit. So let's take advantage in a good way. Let's take advantage of our relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, we're humbled that we can call you Father. And we are blessed that we can pray together with your family. Use this next session of grow groups to deepen our prayer life to listen to one another's heart cry and to encourage and help one another to pray like who we really are your holy children and we pray it on the basis of all that jesus has done for us and we pray knowing that your spirit helps us to pray according to your will. And so we say thank you and amen. And all God's people said, amen. Good stuff. Go forth and pray.